Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is Gahim. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. and welcome to the computer resume podcast the show covering the entire star trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old i'm your host writer comedian mr todd a davis if you thought miles griffin liked star trek where do you get a load of this guy from the more you nerd podcast it's drew burris yeah hello hello very happy to be here thank you for having me aboard Oh yeah, for uh, for folks who uh, may not have you know been following along from the very beginning, like Miles came on pretty early, and one of the first things out of his mouth was like, "You gotta have my boy Drew on." See, and- I remember it slightly differently than that. I remember my good buddy, my podcaster, uh, a partner in crime. Uh, of the show that we have done for a decade he was like oh yeah you know i was on the star trek podcast like you moonlighting on me you cheating on me with a star trek podcast we could make a star trek podcast i want to make star trek podcast for years but you know it's fine it's fine (laughs) okay so let me ask you because that's one of that's one of the things that's been fascinating to me as i go along and and record with other folks like and go on other shows occasionally is the format and the structure did you actually have a Star Trek podcast in mind, and if you did, what would what would it have been? So, so I I uh, constantly think about podcasts that I want to do, and then constantly I put up like a just a little mental note of oh it would be this and it would be this and it would be this and uh, and then I realize Drew you record too much already. Your wife and children <laughs> miss you, and they want you to come upstairs out of your dark basement recording space. <laughs> I, I do have an idea for one. You'll save it for off mic. I'll, we'll save it for off mic. We'll save okay. it for off mic. All right. Fair enough. Cause I am I'm, curious. Cause I mean, it's, I've seen everything where it's like, you know, super structured to no structure, like a, a in-depth review or just kind of a casual conversation, you know, um, all women or all comedians or what, I mean, there is, there is something out there for everybody. And I hope, I hope uh, some folks have found <laughs> the niche here that they enjoyed a kind of about Star Trek show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it's just one of those things where it's such a popular thing. Although weirdly, it, like it's it was such a big thing for me growing up because uh, I grew up in the the TNG on the air phase. That right. When I think we we're just talking right before we started recording this, that the show that we are talking about is 20 years old and, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that there are people that were born after that show ended that uh-huh. are pretty close to being able to vote. Yeah. <laughs> just... Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And it's, it's so wild. Cause I mean, this got started like less than two weeks after nine 11. I was, I, I was a senior in high school. So, I was a junior in high school. I, there you and, go. And, uh, I was, I will admit when it comes to enterprise, I was hashtag part of the problem. I was in high school. 
I had things going on and then I went to college and enterprise, like I definitely watched the pilot. I was there for the pilot watching it that, that first night, that Uh big two hour long Epic uh, episode, but I was not a a frequent watcher of the show. See, uh, everybody's trying to bring it back. Had you been on board a hundred percent drew damn it, drew. Uh, it's, I'm sorry. <laughs> we could have avoided all of this. I'm sorry, Mr. Becula. <laughs> Forgive me. I'll, I'll watch your new quantum leap if you're in the new quantum leap. I'll watch it. I'll, uh, I'll try at least. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's fun to see how like because again we were talking before we started rolling that uh, this is the most it, at a point this was the most recent version of Trek. Obviously before. Uh, the J.J. Abrams verse, which led to, you know, the stuff that we've got going on now. But um, it's so funny to go back and look at these episodes and even 20 years removed, whether you think that's long or short, it it does feel a little dated a little bit. Well, well, and, and, it, and it's funny. I, I, I know we'll get to the episode uh, itself, but the episode that we're covering tonight is the first episode that was actually broadcast in HD. I saw that, I was which like, is. Oh, yeah. It's I wild. Mean, I know. It, it just the, it, that those the moments thing. in like television production history that kind yeah. of <laughs> pop up like in the middle of a run of, you know, one of these big long shows, which I mean, you know, Star Trek's been, I mean, Star Trek's pushing is pushing 60 years. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, you know, there's only a few other shows that are anywhere close to that um, here in this country. I think maybe the Simpsons. I mean, Simpsons is at 30 or above 30 years. Yeah. Um, I think the only one that really comes close uh, as far as if you, if you episode count, I think if you include all of the law and orders. Yeah. I was going to say probably some of the procedurals or maybe some of the soap operas. Yeah. Oh, soap operas. I forgot about because some of those have been going on for decades. And then then Doctor Who. uh, Doctor Who. I was thinking Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's wild, man. Cause I mean, we, you don't want to, we were talking about that meme that pops up of like what you think Star Trek was 20 years ago and everybody, you know, still has in their mind, like TNG and like, nope, <laughs> that's not it. It's actually yeah, enterprise. <laughs> oh, don't worry. My, my hair is graying. My beard is as gray as it's ever been. And oh yeah. Yeah. I've I got just... plenty of those as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so let's, let's go back to, uh, do you have obviously you're a big fan of star trek um what is your earliest star trek memory like how was it introduced to you uh what what were your initial thoughts do you recall so i will tell you uh, i i grew up when tng was on the air but Mm. also when it had enough episodes that it was syndicated every day every day i went home and i tuned into wjzy uh, and, and out of the, the Charlotte TV stations. Okay. I was about uh, to and, ask if you were from, from here, from Greenville, but yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm from, I'm from Rock Hill, uh, just, just a, a little farther North, oh, okay. but, uh, uh, but the problem though, and this is, this is such an interesting thing. Cause I was thinking about this the other day and, and miles, uh, and I were talking about this, that we grew up in the era of syndicated TV shows. Mm-hmm. You would go home and there would be a block of, of, of stations that you would just turn on and whatever happened to be on was on. Yep. And unfortunately I do not know what my first Star Trek experience was. Uh-huh. It has been so long. And I, 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 absorbed it so quickly that I cannot 
recall what I would love to know what the first episode of Star Trek I ever saw was because there had to be something because I would have been third grade, yeah. fourth grade, maybe yeah, real young. And what was it about that show? What was it about that episode that made me want to watch more? And and it had to be something because I know that I at that point I started watching every day and I was I, I was trying to get uh, uh you know VHS tapes of episodes and fa- found out that my uncle had a bunch of them that he had taped so he had a bunch of episodes taped already nice. and fast forwarding through those commercials and just and, and <laughs> falling in love with that show and I distinctly remember because I was in fifth grade when Generations came out. Mm-hmm. And so up until and and between the the end of TNG and all of the, you know, the the Jonathan Frakes hosting the 10 best episodes of TNG countdown and 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 all of these little interstitial moments as as they were doing that to lead up to that finale and that finale just being so incredible and still is like I thought it was incredible as a fifth grader and now as someone that's almost 40 I still think it's an incredible finale. Yeah. And then leading right up into the the production of the of the movie, and I uh, of course had to see the movie on opening night, and of course I'm going to dress in my Starfleet uniform to see this movie. Why wouldn't you? Well, it's funny that you say that. I was not the only person dressed up. There was only one other person dressed up, huh. and it was and it was a uh, 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 an older guy. Um, I say that I don't actually recall how old he was because he probably <laughs> seemed a lot older at the time, but he was wearing the the Wrath of Khan movie era captain's uniform while nice. I was wearing my TNG captain's uniform. And it was just a, a, a fun little, you know, two generations of Star Trek fans. And we were the only two people that were dressed up. <laughs> oh, man, something like that happens today. Like, at, like I would, I'd say like 80 to 90% of that audience is going to be in costume for sure. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I was trying to think the other day. I mean, I think I was discussing with uh, someone else that I think for me, because I'm, I'm in the same boat as you are. Um, <clears throat> TNG was my show and, um, and Picard is my captain. And I think the reason for that is because actually he, kind of looked like my dad and (laughs) (laughs) i say that uh you know i think i was interacting with somebody online the question came up of who's your captain and why and i said you know he was the stern but calm and understanding voice that i needed as a young man like he was Mm. he, he just he was just so put together and just the definition of unflappable just he he just he he was on point all the time and it's like there were man that's rarely that's a what moment. a guy that's yeah. that's that's a that's a real man you know <laughs> rarely a moment where he was taken by surprise yeah. rarely a moment where he didn't have an answer or a path to a solution exactly but but, but at the same time he was always willing to listen to mm-hmm. the input from his crew oh yeah he would always take those perspectives and and in some cases change it changed his mind about things uh-huh yeah i know. think uh the other part of it was, and you know, again, for young men in their very formative years, I, uh, I think uh, Deanna Troy played a, uh, at least a small part. In, I mean, <laughs> in the raising, like, Hey, what, I, how, how do we feel about this? You know, there, I want to hang on to the, to the whole concept of Diana Troy as we get into the episode, because I feel like this is, 
a Diana Troy episode <laughs> just 20 years removed. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, I could. Oh, yeah. I could, you could easily see someone like, uh, you know, Troy getting pulled into this uh, bucket of syrup, as it were. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it would. It's, it's very romantic. It's a very romantic episode. Um, in fact, a lot of people actually noted that in their reviews. Um, but before we get there, so outside of TNG, do you have any other favorite characters or episodes or is there like, you know, who gets the silver medal in terms oh, of, in terms of the series? So uh, TNG will always be my favorite. I grew up with it. It is a part of who I am as a human being. Right. But when I, when, when I got out of, of college and I, I was in a, an apartment and I had access to Netflix and I don't mean Netflix streaming. I mean, Netflix DVDs, the being discs coming you. in the envelopes. Yep. <laughs> I was, I was getting two discs at a time of deep space nine and reliving that series because I watched most of that series as it was airing. Um, nice. But I, I had missed it and it just, I didn't have the context for it. Mm. And adult Drew's favorite series is deep space nine. Uh, it is it is it, it's it's darker it's got that sort of beginnings of of through telling stories like stories that that take place over multiple episodes or things that are happening in the background and and just even the whole concept of the dominion and the dominion war that we spend an entire season with just trying to find out who the dominion is before we learn anything about them yep uh, and 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 it's just it's it's just a step up in in storytelling. It's it's a step up in in a lot of character. Just you know, everybody in TNG, and I love the TNG cast. I adore the TNG cast. Yeah, but they're all best buddies all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's you know, a lot of people get. I mean, you're into comic books at least at least a little yeah. bit, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, everybody's you know favorite punching bag is Superman because it's just kind of like he's got all the powers. He's super nice to everybody all the time. Like. It's, it's kind of not after a while it's not much fun to keep watching because it's like okay well what does beat this guy and you know when you look at things like our episode where we do the fantasy draft like most of the tng cast were you know there were some some uh high level picks from the tng cast and uh yeah it just always seemed like they always had it all put together like jordy can see everything data knows everything and is super strong and and you know um you know wharf he's you know he's like the most aggressive and you got you know we already sung the praises of picard but like Riker, who's sort of a uh combination of picard and kirk you got uh bev you know who's top of her field i mean everybody on there is just to the nines like <laughs> you, you also have a child prodigy you know <laughs> yeah a child prodigy sure yeah why not <laughs> but, but, yeah, but okay so let me ask you this because um you said you know deep space nine you know gets the silver medal if you if you gotta go picard or cisco who's your who's your guy i'm 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 sorry Captain Cisco, I have to go with Picard. Uh. Um, it, it just because it, it, it's too, like you know, we talk you know talk about you talk about comic books. Mm. You talk about the things that people like of the two big comic books, DC and Marvel. Sure, the DC comics are always the the uh, typically the bigger, larger than life characters. Your Supermans, your Batmans, your your Wonder Woman. Heavy on uh, mythology. Are, yeah, a lot yeah, of they, mythology. They, they, yeah. They they've got their they're, they're larger than life. 
mm-hmm. and you've got your Marvel characters that are like your Spider-Man, your X-Men, they're, they're dealing with social issues. They're dealing with, you know, uh, Superman doesn't have to worry about rent, but Spider-Man does. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're, yeah they're, they're much, right. they're much more down to earth. They're much more uh, grounded in a, in a closer sense of reality. And that's sort of where I see the TNG DS9 comparison. Mm. TNG is your larger than life characters and DS9. And, and part of that is, is Roddenberry's influence because Roddenberry didn't want there to be any conflict between any members of the crew on TNG. Uh, and, and you don't really see a ton of that, Yeah, uh, but deep, yeah. but deep space nine, you have two characters that do not like each other yeah. <laughs> and actively avoid actively it. don't like each other. Yeah. But, but what does that turn into? That turns into one of the best bromances of, of the entire franchise. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and that's the, that's sort of the, the difference. I look, when I look for TNG episodes, I tend to look at the ones that are more like the, the best TOS episodes. They're the morality plays. They're the, mm. the, 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 the focuses on the human condition and, and, and comparisons to the real world in the moment. But Deep Space Nine is just a lot of really good stories about explorers and people dealing with with trauma and people dealing with war or 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 you know all of the other stuff that goes along with that like the entire arc where where the the there's a coup on earth uh with with one of cisco's old captains and and uh, who's an admiral now and and just all of that stuff like that's not something that you would see on a tng episode yeah yeah you're right you're absolutely right what were your what were your initial thoughts i mean obviously before i um, you know, forced you to sit down and clockwork orange style forced you to watch this episode. Um, <laughs> what were your initial thoughts about enterprise? Because when, like, when I was getting into this, it seemed like a lot of people had a lot of very strong opinions about it, but they couldn't articulate why if they thought it was bad, they couldn't articulate why, or they I, just didn't like it, but had never seen it. I saw that a lot too. So I, my, I have some complex feelings about Enterprise. Uh, I have watched the entire show. Uh, after I finished with Deep Space Nine on those Netflix DVDs, Enterprise slotted in right after that because I nice. hadn't really spent a ton of time with it. Yeah. But keep in mind, we are of a similar age. And what was one of the biggest film releases of our high school years? Independence Day? Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. I was way off. I'm Independence Day. That was '96. Never mind. <laughs> so, but so so when I say that, like a lot of us started to look at the idea of a prequel with very negative lenses. Uh, yeah. And, okay. And and when you have Enterprise, where you have this this new crew, and I didn't. I mean, again, I forgave a lot of that, but all of a sudden, there's an alien race that is one of the biggest menaces of the galaxy, uh, uh, the Sulaban in this case that I'm talking about, that we have never seen before mm-hmm. and we'll never see again. <laughs> yeah. there, there is, there's all sorts of stuff that just, you know, like, oh, they're not allowed to use the transporter, except they totally do all the time and it's fine. You yeah. know, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's that sort of thing that, that it, you know, stylistically, like I personally can forgive that, the bridge of of the NX01 looks fancier and well, better put together with cooler stuff in it than the original Enterprise 1701. Okay. All right, because I because I can understand that that show is made in the 60s and this show is made in the, the early 2000s. There's a little bit of a difference in the the 
the the production quality we saw True. the same thing we saw the same thing with klingons when when tos klingons became movie and later tng klingons yeah the that was just understood we are this is just differences in makeup techniques we're just going to treat it like it was always this way <laughs> until <laughs> trials and tribulations <laughs> yeah exactly oh man yeah i i actually and i've gone on record as saying this i actually really dig the aesthetic of enterprise a lot because you've got I mean, it's a very, it's a much smaller ship, but, you know, looking at the exposed beams everywhere and it's still very industrial feeling. It's essentially a flying submarine and, and the, and the, the uniforms have pockets. Like, so the uniforms have pockets. Yeah. I have, I don't remember seeing anybody ever put any, take anything out of, or put anything into half of the pockets on that uniform. (laughs) I will say, I know that they they made use of them, but yeah, for all the pockets that they have, I think they might use, they use the ones like on the, on the outside of the arm the most, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know that they really thought that through. It was like, Oh, we need pockets. Yeah. You also have to use them. (laughs) (laughs) Do you watch the Orville? I've seen the pilot. I enjoyed it, but it's just one of those things, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. (laughs) Yeah. I, I would say, well, Side note, the Orville is a love letter to the TNG era of Star Trek. Oh, it's, clearly. Yeah. It's it's excellent. Um, but there is a scene in that in which uh, a character is trying to dress another character for a date and they're in their version of like the replimat uh, making clothes. And, and the comment is more zippers, more zippers. <laughs> just and <laughs> and watching the the enterprise uniforms here just reminded me of that. Uh, but it, interestingly, you say that the talk about the ship, the, the first scene of this episode, I know I'm jumping ahead, but Hoshi's washing her face with the sink that has water coming out of it. <laughs> and water on a starship. What? <laughs> Where's the sonic sink? Where's the sonic shower? Yeah. Um, do you have uh and then we'll we'll get into uh and then we'll get into the recap and all that stuff. But uh looking at this crew, which was supposed to obviously predate TOS, do you have any or do any of the characters stick out to you as being more put together or in short, do you have a favorite of the Enterprise crew? I do. Uh, Tucker is probably my favorite of the Enterprise. Really? Okay. Yeah. Why uh, so? He, it, well, part of it is that they are of all of the characters on the crew. They they give him uh, some of the Miles O'Brien treatment. He gets some of the most put upon, and therefore some of the biggest character development of the show. Mm, yeah. uh, which I think, which I think is to the detriment of some other characters. Uh, I think uh, the the concept of Mayweather is extremely interesting. Yeah. Being this like young grew up on a starship kid and and merchant vessels and things like that they just they don't go far enough with that most of the time like i I don't recall a mayweather focused episode that i can really outside of one in the first season where they go to another ship that he's familiar with yeah uh, i know i know that yeah he goes to visit his family on on one and i think he he's part of you know some more ensemble type work within various other episodes but yeah, he he's my guy. I, he was my pick for Helm in uh, in the fantasy draft, and uh, yeah, he's he's really solid character, but just didn't get his due. I feel like, and and it's one of those things where had they gotten a couple more seasons, I think we would have seen that. Honestly, I would have said the same thing about Hoshi until we watched an episode that focused totally on Hoshi. <laughs> right. Well, Hoshi's Hoshi's such a great character, and I think 
she got used a lot more early on just because she's kind of the Greek chorus for anyone who maybe is not familiar with Star Trek. You know, a lot of people talk about the Greek chorus. Um, R2 and 3PO get referred to as the Greek chorus of Star Wars in that we see, we as the audience see most of the narrative through their eyes. And Hoshi at the beginning of all this is not an astronaut. She's not really a scientist. She is a linguist and a teacher, period. That's it. It's like, hey, we need you to, you know, come up here and translate some stuff. Like, okay, so I'm I'm just translating. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just going to be translating languages. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, I'll go. Star- All right. So we're going on this it's- mission. Uh, just ignore those dozen dead bodies hanging <laughs> from the ceiling. She's like, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> And and that that is something that the the reluctant Starfleet member is something that you don't really ever see. Yeah, uh, you definitely don't see it before then. Uh, and and I, I can't recall anybody that's really been that way after the fact. I think um, I think like Reg on on uh, on TNG was kind of like the penultimate version of the unsure Starfleet member, and I think. Um, Oh, oh, what was I her see, what I, was I her see. name that spilled the coffee on Picard? Um Oh, uh um um uh, Gomez. Yes, Gomez. So, yeah, Sonia Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> who's now a who's now a captain or an admiral in Lower uh, she Decks? is she is a captain She's on a captain. one of the on one of the coolest ships I have ever seen. Uh <laughs> I this is, I guess, a slightly lower deck spoiler, uh, but uh, there is a new ship class. I'm a huge fan of the Excelsior class ships. Mm. I love them. Mm-hmm. I I curse that there has never been a show that is set on that ship. It was the backbone of Starfleet for 40 years, 60 years, however long it was. And we never see any more than the back of somebody's ready room <laughs> and... <laughs> And we see a little bit more of, of Sulu's Excelsior, but that's it. All of the contemporary Excelsiors, we see nothing from. And, uh, and, and Sonya's ship is basically a, a sovereignized Excelsior class. Nice. Also, yeah. it's, got the, it's got the sort of sovereign look to it, but still has the, the, the saucer shape of the Excelsior, but it does have kind of the more sovereignty nacelles. It's, it's a fantastic looking ship. I would like to see more of that and other things. <laughs> yeah. And it's always fun to watch, you know, speaking of those, uh, those characters who are unsure of themselves or maybe don't have it all put together as well, but they're still, I mean, they're serving on a Starfleet vessel. There's a reason why they're not, they're not stupid. Um, I mean, and, 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 and that's the thing. So Sonia Gomez and Barkley had to go to the Academy. They had to go through all of that process to get there. Uh-huh. Hoshi, Hoshi's just like Archer goes over is like, hey, let's go. Hop on the ship. Let's go. <laughs> let's get on out of here. And yeah, for folks like Hoshi, you know, situations like this particular episode are particularly tricky because there's a lot at stake. And I think when she's put in that position, we kind of it, this is, you know, her first big thing was in the episode fight or flight. And I feel like this would actually be a really good companion piece to that episode. They would probably watch really well back to back. Um, is, if I, is fight or flight the one that is on the Klingon ship? I believe so. Um, yeah, it's the one where, uh, yeah, they go and they find all the dead bodies hanging from the ceiling, but I believe that is a Klingon ship. Yeah. But yeah, with, uh, with all of this happening and uh, happening mostly to Hoshi, 
let's get into this week's recap. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Examining gravitational anomaly patterns, T'Pol calculates the location of a second sphere within the Delphic Expanse, and Enterprise diverts course to investigate. Meanwhile, Hoshi's contacted telepathically by Tarquin, an alien that appears to her in human form. Enterprise soon arrives at Tarquin's planet. Be our guest. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. He welcomes Archer and Hoshi and explains that he can telepathically read objects and suggests that Enterprise bring him a Zindi object. They give him part of the weapon used to attack Earth. He adds a condition. He'll only help them if Hoshi agrees to remain with him while he works. They reluctantly agree, and Enterprise departs to investigate the second sphere. Tarquin and Hoshi discuss many subjects, and initially the alien seems trustworthy. There's something sweet and almost kind. She also discovers that he had been watching her telepathically for some time and that she is not the first person to be brought here to provide companionship for him. The graves of four earlier companions lie outside his home. Meanwhile, Enterprise approaches the sphere, but has to halt its approach due to damage from the spatial anomalies generated by it. And so on. The ship sends down a space bus insulated with Trillium D and gets close enough to take readings. Archer and Trip return to Enterprise and set course to retrieve Hoshi. Meanwhile, Tarquin attempts to trick her into staying with him permanently, but she refuses and threatens to destroy a device which enhances his telepathic abilities. He reluctantly agrees to let her go. And later provides Enterprise with the coordinates for the Zindi colony that is building a part of the weapon. <laughs> T'Pol's analysis reveals that there are at least 50 spheres in the Expanse region. And every last inch of me's covered with hair. So the thing that I kept seeing as I was, you know, doing some research um, on this episode in particular was the big um, Beauty and the Beast um <laughs> metaphor or analogy being used here Taylor's old as time <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny because uh you know as we go through i always look at the character actors as you know the lot of a lot of the guest stars are like working in some cases legendary character actors and a lot of them uh at, at least more than once uh have appeared on that beauty and the beast tv show that had oh, the, ron the perlman the Linda Hamilton. Yes, yes, one? Linda yeah. Hamilton, Ron Perlman. Oh, Spe yeah. Speaking of speaking of TV shows that aired in syndication when we were growing up. <laughs> uh, what do you think of this? You know, this setting and how everything is laid out with this particular with Tarquin. So it plays real creepy to me, but I think it's supposed to. I, I think that Hoshi's reaction to that is on point, uh, and. Uh, uh, to, to the point where, you know, it gets to a point where I just was expecting him to say, oh, Hoshi, please stay. You'll love it. We've got all this Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> just <laughs> feel like somebody out there on the Internet should take the audio from the 90s Beauty and the Beast cartoon 
and cut up this episode and just do a big mash, uh, uh, do a big mashup. I think it would work really well. <laughs> well and, and it's, it's, it's just funny to me because they clearly, they clearly have so much of this. Like it's just occurring to me now that Tarquin gives Hoshi a book. <laughs> that is, yeah. <laughs> Like, oh my gosh, it's even deeper than 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 I anticipated. And and they do choose to to give Hoshi like three different outfits that are not her uniform in this uh-huh. episode. And, you know, she's they're, walking they're not, around in heels at one point. Yeah, and like <laughs> just oh, this this episode's so so strange. Uh, but but it does again. It makes sense. It's just it's one of those things where if this had been made. I think if this has been an episode that was made in the 90s, or mm. if this was an episode that was made in the 2020s, they would have done something to Tarquin to make him seem a little less that. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I... as, as, as much as we get is that he's real lonely, but if you spend enough time with him, you'll grow to like him. And that is that is discourse that we've seen on particular segments of the internet in the last 20 years that uh-huh. didn't exist when this was being written. That uh whew. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's you know, he boy, he rolls out the red carpet. Um, and just you know, hey, here's all the food you like. Yeah, <laughs> and it's in its best form, you know, and uh, and, and when you don't want to eat it, I will remind you of this very specific thing that your grandmother said to you that is not creepy at all, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, this is yeah, this is oh, this is all the worst. It's so funny that it's all kind of like the best and worst first date ever. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, well, how was dinner? It was amazing. How was dinner? Super creepy. Yeah, the food was delicious, but everything else. Oh man, yeah. And um, you know, what do you think about uh what do you think about the turn? You know, in that th- this isn't his first rodeo. Like, yeah, I've got four bodies buried out front. Like, oh man. I just it made sense. I wasn't I I know I've seen this episode at some point in the past. I did not remember I knew they made a big deal of him uh, enough of him saying I've lived here for a very long time uh, that, you know, okay. So he's really old. We'll get that. Um, I, I honestly expected something a little more sinister just in how he was acting the whole time. Oh, like, and, he, and that, like he killed them or, or, or he killed them or he lured them there to, I mean, well, he lured Hoshi there. So, yeah. <laughs> but that, that, that there was something a little more sinister just because he was acting so undeniably creepy but dude's been alone for a hundred years so you know maybe that's supposed to make us feel better about it but i don't know his his oh he was outcast from his people just because he was born with telepathic powers and we're supposed to feel bad for him with for that but they never give us any opportunity to feel bad for him about that they just kind of say Mm. it as if this is the meaning you're supposed to get behind these words but nothing about his actions leads us to any any of that stuff. So right. I, I assumed that there was going to be something more to, to, to that. And maybe there would have been had, had Hoshi believed uh, fake captain Archer uh, <laughs> that, I don't know that she yeah. probably would have gotten Stockholm syndrome at some point. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I feel like, I mean, you're married. I'm married. Um, I feel like I, uh, I feel like I landed someone completely out of my league yeah same big same um (laughs) (laughs) 
I, you know, I, I recently sort of fell down a rabbit hole of one of my, um, one of my other favorite movies. I really enjoy uh, interview with the vampire, but as I was watching this episode of, of enterprise and, you know, sort of revisiting um, interview with the vampire, it dawned on me like this, this episode's written and directed by women and interview with the vampire written by a woman. Uh, and I started to look at other things, you know, um, where, uh, you know, the Twilight, the Twilight series, also female, uh, female written, female created. And I was wondering, and of course, who better to talk about this than two straight white dudes? Um, <laughs> do you think that there's some sort of desire for this damaged person? Is, is this the I can fix him? Is this the I can fix him that we've heard about in like pop culture and and hopefully hopefully not real life, but <laughs> it, so, it must be a real thing. There may be something to that, or it is entirely possible that 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 this is this may be. I don't want to use the term crutch because I don't. I think that's I think that is demeaning to the to the person who wrote the episode. But I think that there is an expectation that female focused character episodes on these shows. Mm follow more of that kind of slightly more stereotypical like phantom of the opera romance beauty and the beast yeah uh, Yeah. all that sort of stuff and it makes me think about just in the moment the last the the other sort of main female focused character episodes that i can think of um this episode would be right up deanna troy's alley as a a distant psychic (laughs) Uh, lures her, her with the promise of something that is going to help other people uh-huh. and turns out to be extremely creepy and weird. I mean, we saw a number of those episodes in TNG, mm-hmm. but then of course we've got Sub Rosa. <laughs> Sub Rosa. He can show her the universe and the secret that could save her. Think of what I can offer you, but at a price. You would kill over 80 people to keep me here? Their fruit is in your hands. It's on some level, there's a, there's there's creative DNA between those two concepts that uh-huh. I that I hadn't really thought about until just now. And I <laughs> And, and there's, there's again, there's probably there might be something to that. I, I don't know that I am equipped to, <laughs> to discuss that. Uh, again, as you said, no two better people to talk about this than a couple of straight white guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's you know, it's it's funny because I've given the the writers' room of Enterprise a fair amount of grief of it being. A lot of straight white dudes, you know, and some of that stuff really comes off in the writing, uh, you know, especially when we talk about the treatment of T'Pol. T'Pol, since the pilot episode has been treated like a doormat at, you know, <laughs> more like often. Sex- T'Pol, the sexy doormat. The sexy doormat. <laughs> like, I mean, the 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 first, like T'Pol is a an emotionless Vulcan mm-hmm. that is dressed in the tightest fitting costumes and has the longest decontamination gel scenes. <laughs> like there's a reason that they do this. There's a reason this is, yeah. th- they need, they felt the need. Like, I mean, seven of nine was a similar situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, she's a relatively emotionless Borg lady who dresses in super skin tight costumes and, and, and something that, that, you know, 
luckily has not been popping up since then. Yeah. Um, and I, I have to look at some of the, the creative team and I think there might be some, uh, some people that are maybe more uh, responsible for those creative choices than others. Mm. Brandon Braga. Um, excuse me. Um, <laughs> sorry. Had yeah. To in my yeah. Woo. Uh, speaking of uh, Braga has mentioned that he, he thought this episode is pretty crappy. <laughs> <laughs> he's gone on record as saying that uh which wow. i don't i don't think is fair i just it, it's i think the 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 thing about this ep- this 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 episode and when i look back in time the seasons of of this show were 22 ish 24 ish episodes most of the time yeah and that was true for every show back then mm-hmm. and if we look at shows now like discovery 10 yeah, maybe, ten to twelve, maybe twelve, fifteen uh, on the on the on the outside, you know, <laughs> and sometimes as many as few as six. Yeah, and so I look at this episode and I look at what is going on on the other half of this episode, where they're trying to find these spheres and they're going on this, you know, cat and mouse chase. Oh, there's a second sphere. Uh, that 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 story for the whole arc of the season means more than this story. And this is a story that I don't think would have been written had the episode count been 10 or 12 episodes. I think it would have focused more on the, the main meat. And that's something that is true of, of everything. I mean, the discovery itself gets, gets picked apart because we don't have, we don't have, we never learn about any of the crew other than uh, Michael and Tilly. It's like, cause you only have so much time, you know, yeah. we're going to, those people will, will, you know, they'll get their stories. It's just going to take time. We don't yeah. have as many hours in the season as we used to. Yeah. I, I, think, I think this episode would have been pared down for like a short trek. If, yeah, if that, Maybe. And you know, yeah. they should make, they should make more short treks uh, focused on the, individual the short treks and like, go get, go get like Benicia or um, Guillermo del Toro, you know, some of these folks on the outside who would do like, have their, you know, their creature, their creature creation team, that they would bring in and just, you know, let them, let them add a little, a little notch in the star Trek universe belt. Saru knows him pretty well. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> let's go ahead and tap Doug Jones and be like, Hey man, we'll, we'll give you a producer credit. If you can land <laughs> Guillermo del Toro for an episode. Del Toro, just, just for a short trek. Yeah. Five minutes. It'll be good. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this, this episode, I feel like, you know, I enjoy the character of Hoshi. She's not my favorite. I've already said, you know, Travis Mayweather's is my guy, but I do enjoy seeing her take these steps and it's always fun for me. Don't get me wrong. I love a, a phaser fight or, you know, a you know, a, a ship to ship battle. I always love that stuff. It's always great. But what I really enjoy is watching the characters figure out the problem. And Hoshi, who's been, she's coming to her own here, uh, you know, certainly since the pilot episode, Definitely. but at the same time, like she's not Archer and you know, she's not data. She's not super tactical, you know, she's not Reed and she's not, you know, cold and, you know, solely logical, like to Paul, she's got flaws and all this stuff. And she gets taken in by this, by this offer, this seemingly uh you know great offer with no downside and I, it's I, it's I, fun I, to I, it's fun to see her kind of work through this issue and figure out like oh you know there's more to this than meets the eye and this guy has and, ar- and ulterior motives and blah 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 i have to give her some credit though 
she goes into it knowing that something else is up. That's she, true. She, she yeah, knows you're absolutely she's, keep, right. she's keeping a face pistol under her pillow. She knows that something's going on. Uh-huh. But at the end of the day, she's there to she's making this sacrifice because they're hoping to get information for their big quest against the Zindi. Uh-huh. And to her, that the the needs of the many outweighed the needs of the one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, bringing it back around. <laughs> but but in but what I, I love to see in this episode, some some of my favorite the couple of my favorite scenes are when like she is obviously extremely creeped out by him anytime she's in a room with him. She is very happy to read the book by herself <laughs> in her room. Sure. Uh, but when when she catches him in his lie, uh, when 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 fake Captain Archer is there, and uh, I'm not the biggest Captain Archer fan, uh, just I'll, I'll say that I'm Fair sure enough. that will. I'm sure my feelings about Captain Archer will come out over the course of the three episodes that I, <laughs> that I will be joining you with. <laughs> Spoiler warning for the next couple of weeks. But uh, uh, but she catches she purposefully thinks of something to plant a name in his head to 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 catch him in that oh funny that you mentioned tucker because i was just talking or just thinking about him interesting very interesting and uh she of course at the end pulls a captain kirk move of any of the best captain kirk moves yep dude underestimates her and walks away as he's trying to explain it and she picks up this orb that he has been pondering Uh (laughs) uh-huh And it's like, I'll I will drop it. Sh- I'll, I'll shatter this. Try me. <laughs> <laughs> Grab something that looks expensive. Dangle it over a balcony. <laughs> oh, hmm, oh, the, oh, the, 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 the wind is real bad out there on the, on the balcony, isn't it? Hmm, I wonder if I just ponder this orb out there. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, as we do uh, every week with these episodes, we ask the question, who do we blame? Uh, This episode was written by Phyllis Strong. Uh, Her last work was on season two, episode 23, Regeneration, uh, that we covered with Bobby, with uh, Bonnie Gordon. Uh, And uh, but most of her most of her credits have been linked with uh, Mike Sussman. This is actually her first solo writing credit in the timeline. Uh, Phyllis Strong's at it had a really great career and we won't get into all the nitty gritty of it here, but just to give you a a little taste, she's actually a co-producer of 50 out of 98 of the enterprise episodes and a big chunk of Voyager as well. Uh, She, that was where a lot of her Star Trek stuff started was actually on Voyager. So uh, once we're done in enterprise, we'll see Phyllis Strong's work again. Uh, and this episode was directed by Roxanne Dawson, AKA Bellana Torres from Star Trek Voyager. Uh, her last episode directing was season two, episode 25 bounty. And then in the guest stars, we've got uh, just the one uh, Mr. Murray Starling as Tarquin. His first credit was in 1995 and start and he, from there he started grinding, you know, as a lot of uh, young actors do, uh, you know, making a lot of uh, one offs on a bunch of uh, TV series in the mid to late 90s, including Diagnosis Murder, uh, The Pretender and Columbo. Uh, but then he got a he got a gig uh, as one of the love interests on all 21 episodes of the sitcom All Right Already as Vaughn Lerner. Did you ever catch the sitcom had, All Right I Already? Ne- I had never heard of this before. <laughs> it is such a specific thing. It's kind of like an optometrist is trying to find love. Like, 
wow. <laughs> that is, and that's I, and I'm, okay. I'm certain all right already is somebody's catchphrase like, all right already. <laughs> It's got to be. It's got to be. Well, in the early 2000s, he got a couple film gigs. In 2001, he was in Imposter, based on the Philip K. Dick story with Gary Sinise, Vincent D'Onofrio, Madeline Stowe, Tony Shalhoub, Mackay Pfeiffer, and the late great Elizabeth Pena. And then in 2002, he was in Hearts War as uh, Private First Class Dennis A. Gerber with Bruce Willis, Colin Farrell, and Terrence Howard. This is his only franchise appearance so far. Uh, but he continues to work in TV, film, voiceovers for animation and video games. He's done stuff for Marvel, DC, Star Wars, even Chronicles of Riddick. He's uh, did he did one of their games. His most recent credit is on Blade Runner: Black Lotus, and that's season one, episode nine, Free Will. Uh, Drew, any uh, any final thoughts about uh, this particular episode of? Uh, of enterprise i i guess we'll save since you, you let the cat out of the bag that you are going to be here for more than one episode um uh, but uh any any final thoughts about this episode uh it's been a long road getting from there to here <laughs> it's been a long time but the time is finally near i can see my dreams come alive at last i can touch the sky and they're not going to hold me down no more no i'm not going to change my mind because i've got faith of the heart. Mm. No I was going to I was going to say if you have faith, if you had to store your faith in <laughs> one particular organ in your body, where would you keep it? You know, probably lung, the heart. Heart's, heart's it, pretty, in the heart. Uh, it's it's got it's got like a, a cage of bones around it. Uh <laughs> I mean, I guess the head does too, but well, you know. you know, that's the one thing we didn't really talk about, but you did mention it before we started recording. You said you were an unapologetic fan of Faith of the Heart. Unapologetic. This theme so you're song the, so is, you're the one. <laughs> this this theme song is not only eminently singable; it's a great karaoke track. <laughs> it fits this weird little oddity of a show so perfectly that well, with with this. With this episode, you're getting the remix. Do you prefer the remix to the season one and season two, like original? I would need to listen to them back to back again because oh. I knew I know that it changed, but I couldn't I couldn't identify which one was which. Okay, uh, this is again. It's been a while since you're doing more than one episode. This is your homework assignment to go <laughs> listen to both back to back. I want some points. I want some bullet points, and I want next week. I want your definitive answer about season one, season two, Faith of the Heart versus season three, season four, Faith of the Heart. And counter homework, you need to go listen to the Rod Stewart original from there. Fair enough. You know what? I don't the, I don't know that I ever have. So yeah, I'll was do that, it. It was that uh, uh, Patch Adams. I think it was in the, in the end yes. credits music of Patch Adams. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely will do my uh, due diligence and finally sit down and listen to that version. <laughs> well, uh, folks, we've mentioned it a couple times, but next week we will be joined once again by Mr. Drew Burris for hey. a discussion of Enterprise Season 3, Episode 7, The Shipment, which, of course, is available on Paramount+. Plus. Drew, what do you got going on that people can look you up and check you out and follow your work on the Internet? So you can find me on the More You Nerd podcast, uh, a yes. podcast where me and other former guest Miles uh, for the last... 10 years have done just a little, a little taste of, of nerd culture, uh, whether it be talking about 
an animated spinoff of uh, of an R-rated movie that you never <laughs> you never knew about, or the worst sequels of all time, the franchise follies, or or a number of other fun uh, topics that we kind of rotate in and out a month to month. Uh, and you can catch us there at or the more you the more you nerd. I done this show for a decade i should know how to say it <laughs> the more you nerd you can find us in all of your favorite podcatchers and of course you can find our entire back catalog of episodes at the more you nerd.com because yes our back catalog is too big for itunes and others to handle uh, and uh you can also find both me and again miles can't get can't get rid of that guy uh, on our <laughs> tabletop rpg podcast cosmic crit uh, if you like sci-fi fantasy uh, stuff, uh, but uh, but in a sci-fi world, as we have space magic and spaceships and different aliens as we go across the galaxy, we are in the middle of our fourth season. Oh gosh, I don't know how long it's been either. Wow. Uh, but uh, you can find all of those episodes cosmiccrit.com, uh, or you can find our Cosmic Crit Discord channel where you can talk to me and Miles all day. <laughs> And I am at Mr. Tade Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in 10 Forward. Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to ComputerResumePodcasts at gmail.com or at ComputerResume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop. And our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn. And the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?